Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course, and we have to start the show by saying that the flag at Saturdays on the Coast is flying at half-mast. First, we lost... The great Rodney Marsh, an absolute icon, a hero to so many people who grew up through the 1970s and 80s and passing away at the age of 74 after attending a function in Bundaberg. And then I just could not believe it. Uh, there's an old rule. When the phone rings first thing in the morning, uh, Adam Staples, our, our, uh, our panel operator back in Sydney, phoned me early this morning. I thought, what's Adam calling about? And then he... Uh, tells me the news about Shane Warne at the age of 52 passing away in Thailand. And I, I think it's just a day of national mourning, Gary Birkinshaw. Good morning to you, uh, cricket aficionado, and just devastating news on both fronts. Yeah, look, uh, good morning, Steve. And it, it certainly was. It, it's the last few days have just been you know, really hard to comprehend. First of all, with Rod Marsh, he's a real icon of the game. And I was growing up, I suppose, I was a kid when Rod Marsh, he was a hero of mine. I had the old uh, St. Peter's cricket bat and the gloves. And everyone wanted to be Rod Marsh as he was growing up. You know, just a larrikin, the, the shirt half buttoned down and the weird keeper and hits the ball hard. So to lose him in such a... Uh, Tragic circumstance, was, that was one thing. And then I got a message this morning at 6.30 from my son, Scott. He sent me a text message. And once again, never a good thing to get text message from there. And uh, just a shame warned it, it, it passed away. And, and that, that was probably even harder to comprehend. Because he's larger than life, shame warned. He was, uh, he was there and uh, he was a showman. He was you know, he, one of those guys you think is going to live forever. Yeah, I was hoping that it was fake news. Uh, but... Uh just so sad, a father of three, uh, absolute legend of the game. I think there were five cricketers named him Wisden's Cricketers of the Century. Now, obviously, Don Bradman, Sir Don Bradman is one of those. Sir Vivian Richards, Sir Garfield Sobers, Shane Warne is one of them. Yeah, that's right. And Sir Jack Hobbs from England cricketer back from back played in uh, in the early 1900s. He was a, he's a leading run scorer in first class cricket. Jack Hobbs, 61,000 first class runs, 198 centuries. So. Um, and, and played test cricket as well, averaged 50 in test cricket as well. So, But just to be mentioned in that, and the thing I think about Shane Warne is he actually changed the game from now, just leg spin. No one, leg spin, you come in and you, 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 know, you bowl a couple of long hops, a couple of full tosses, and, and just what he transferred. Everyone during that era, and even now, go in the nets, everyone's trying to bowl leg spin. And to show how good he was, no one's ever really been able to do it as well as he has since. Yeah, last night I was on Twitter and I was kind of liking everything that I saw. There were so many beautiful tributes from legends of the game, from commentators. You, you forget, too, that Marshy, Marshy still holds the record with Lily for the amount of catches off the one bowler. Now, yeah. now, McGrath and Gilchrist, they took 90, but I think Marsh and Lily still hold the record with 90, 95, is it? Yeah. yeah, 95. Yeah, and I, it won't ever be broken. I mean, we we can't see a keeper coming through at the moment that's going to stay there for that kind of duration. 
That's right. Well, you, that's what you – it's just caught Marsh bold, Lily. It was a catchphrase, wasn't it? And, yeah. And Rod Marsh, when you talk about Rod Marsh, oh, it, it's probably not fair on Rod Marsh because he did a lot of be- better things than that on his own accord. But it's, oh, caught, caught Marsh bold, Lily. You yeah. know, as if, as if Dennis Lily made Rod Marsh the person he was. But Rod Marsh was a legend in his own right. He did fantastic keeper, fantastic bat hard hitter. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, 95 times. Yeah, someone said on Twitter that uh, – Bold Lily Court Marsh was the poetry of a generation. Yeah, everyone tried to make make poems that around. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, Willie Court Marsh, Bold Lily, and stuff like that. It was just it's a, it's, it was amazing how, how it was, and it was, and they were really great mates. Well, that, that was the other thing. They were great mates. They, they lived not far from one another over in, in Western Australia. So. Yeah, we've got some audio we want to roll in today. We've got uh, Warney's. Well, it's the ball of the century. How about we roll that in this morning from back at headquarters? First ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gadding has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. He asked Kenny Palmer on the way out. Kenny Palmer just gave him a raised eyebrow and a little nod, and that's all it needed. Well, that has turned about two and a half feet. Gadding can't believe his eyes. What a start for Shane Warne. Yeah, wow. That is incredible. And the great Richie Benno, the late great, calling that. Uh, I heard an interview when I was driving in this morning. Shane Warne actually broke both legs when he was a young boy. And his dad built a trolley. And so there's a documentary where there's footage of Shane Warne moving around using his wrists because... He can't walk. So he's on this trolley and they're saying that from an early age, he's using his wrists in an abnormal way. And that obviously helped him in some way, shape or form because just a freak of nature. Hey, we've got some marshy. Now, uh, let's roll in. This is the swashbuckling final over. Now, this was at the Adelaide Oval. Yeah, correct. Yep. Yeah. So, and who was the bowler? Uh, Chris Cairns. Yeah, Chris Cairns. No, you, not Chris Lance Cairns. Chris you, is his son. Yeah. You remember this vividly? I watched it last night. I do remember. I watched it live as well. It's amazing. It was a, it was the old Benson and Hedges uh, one day, one day game, one day game, and uh, they're in a bit of trouble, Australia, until they come through this last over. Yeah, I watched this too live at the time. So let's roll this in. The great Rod Marsh passing away at the age of seventy-four. Marsh gets hold of that. It's going over the top, is it? Yes, it is. And that's six vital runs to Australia. Marsh picking it up. Rolling it over the short boundary at Hands again. Nice giving himself room. He's hit it in the air, and that's nice and straight. That could be four. Four more, and a crowd roar. Well played, Rodney Marsh. That's six more. He's got hold. That's over the Victor Richardson gates. That's a beauty, Rodney Marsh. Under the roof, and a magnificent shot. We'll go this one. The shorter will be full. Doesn't make any difference. He's got hold of it. And he's put it away for four more. Game where will go. It goes over again at six more. It's a magnificent hit from Marsh. Crash it goes. Hands pitching just short of a wing. Before he's hit it away, he could be out. And that's it. Caught. Into the Australian innings. A wonderful <laughs> over from Marsh taking 26 off the final. Over is a little bit disappointed in being caught. But 217. Marsh out for a well hit. 43. Yeah, so there we go. Rodney Marsh in action at the Adelaide Oval. And, and that was so that was a swashbuckling part of him. But then you also go back to the centenary test at the MCG, 
where Australia had also trouble. He gets a century in that centenary test, that uh, unforgettable test where Australia wins by 45, exactly the same did 100 years ago. Lily played in that. But Rod Marsh came out and got a century in that, in that test match as well. Yeah, and when you talk about Warney with the bat, so he's the batsman that makes the most runs in history or in Australian cricket history without a century. That's correct. That's correct. Got to 99 over in Perth, and then, as Shane Warne does, goes out and for some reason gets caught on the trying to hit, hit a six for to get his hundred. But that, that's one thing that really, I suppose, one of the regrets he has in cricket was the fact that he never did get that hundred. He got got a, a nice 90 at Old Trafford over in the Ashes as well. He, he got made plenty of good runs down the order. There's no doubt about that, but just didn't quite get that century, which is I know it was a regret of his. Yeah. So we're sitting here. We're shell shocked. We're in mourning, and this is on the back of devastating floods in Lismore on the far north coast, a town where I, I used to work at, at 2LM in Lismore, and uh, you just wonder how they're going to pick themselves up, and such a sad day for sport. By the way, if you, if you want to share some memories, the text line is 0477-736-736. Did you see Marshy play? Maybe you saw Warney. Uh, you know, the chic of Tweak. In action, the open line 1300 42 15 33. We'll play some more audio throughout the morning, but we need to get to Nick Montgomery, who's been waiting on the line, the head coach of the Central Coast Mariners. Monty, good morning to you. Sorry to keep you waiting. And uh, just great that the Mariners are back at home today against Brisbane Raw later on this afternoon. Yeah, hey, Steve. Hey, guys. Uh, just listening to the tragic news there about Shane Warren. Yeah, it's been a, been a, been a tough day for everyone in, in Australia, I think, but... Um, well, obviously we got the uh, Brisbane Brisbane Raw at home today. It's the first time we've been back at home for a couple of weeks, and what's been a tough couple of weeks on the road. And um, anyone's followed the the the, uh, the results we've had have been uh, yeah they've been unfortunate. But yeah, we uh, we need to crack on today, and we've got half the season to go, and that starts today against Brisbane Raw. Nick, I think the tough thing for you is your team has played so well, but you've just copped some some late goals, and some of them have been world class efforts against your opposition. So last week, a 2-1 result. Benny Ancololo, that's a real positive that he's found the back of the net yet again in the 35th minute. But you cop a goal in stoppage time. Yeah, look, it's been a real, uh, it's been a bit freakish, really. I've never, I've never uh, experienced anything like it during my uh, 20-odd years playing and playing and coaching. So, yeah, look, it is what it is. It's gone now. We can't look back. And what we can do is try and learn from it. And, look, we have got a really young team. Look, I think we've been definitely unfortunate that we've not gone further ahead in games, you know, especially uh, against Adelaide uh, the last week. We had numerous chances in the second half to double the lead and if not triple the lead. And you don't do that, you don't take your opportunities. And, you know, 93rd minute set piece corner, we don't clear it. And unfortunately, it ends up in the back of the net. So, look, it's, uh, it's definitely been, um, yeah, it's definitely been a bit unfortunate. Um, but the performances have been there. And as a coach, you know, the way I, I want to play and, and the way that I think everyone's watched this play this season is. In every game, we look like we could win every game. But, um, you know, like I just said then, if we don't put the chances away at one end and you don't clear uh, balls bouncing around in the box, then yeah, sometimes end up in the back of your net. And more often than not for us the last couple of weeks, we've, uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've copped that. So, look, that's, that's on us. That's on us as a, a collective and a group. And, and, and obviously, we're all accountable for that. But it's yeah. what it is. And, you know, back at home now, we've got a couple of home games. So, it's time to start picking up the points again. Yeah, I think the Irukunda goal in stoppage time was uh, was amazing. The Hiroshi Ibasuki goal was scrappy at best. Uh, the guru, Gary Birkinshaw, is here. He's got the next question. Yeah, g'day, Nick. Uh, mate, you've got a young squad there. How do you, how, as a coach, how do you keep them up and about, given you know, that results aren't quite going their way, decisions are not going their way? Um, how, how do you do as coach to keep them up and, and really you know, 
focusing on the next game? It looks the question I've been asked, and if anyone sees sees the performances, that's not a team that's down. You know, they're like you said, they are they are young boys, they are learning. You know, they are growing from their experience, and and sometimes in in the tough times, you learn more about people than than when you're winning games. So look, uh, for them, it's a case of just keep doing what we're doing. Um, you know, keep performing and. And keep playing the way that we play, and, and you know I know that the results will turn. So I think, um, you know, like you said, it's uh, it's easy to dwell on what could have been the last couple of weeks because if things that have gone the way they could have done, you know, but the fine margins we could be sitting <laughs> sitting uh, near the top of the league, but we're not. We're sitting near the bottom, and, and look, we've still got games in hand on on some teams above us. So I think that's uh, that's something that people forget when they're looking at the table. Um, but like you said, games in hand, the games in hand. You need to win them. You need to get the points. So oh, the boys are good. The spirit's good. We've had a good week of training. Um, if anything, this week we tried just not to, not really to, to, to delve uh, too much into into uh, conceding injury time goals because I think we have done the last couple of weeks and, and sometimes subconsciously that can play in the mind. But look, we focus this week on on finishing chances in, in the final third, and if we do that, because we do create a lot, a lot of opportunities, it takes the pressure off the goalkeeper and the and the back four, and and, and obviously uh, you know look, look, and not conceding late goals. So. I'm um, not looking forward to the game of day. The boys are full of confidence. We're back at home. Hopefully, there's a good crowd there today because it seems like we haven't been at home for a while. So, yeah, good period coming up and, and, and a positive result for us today will, will kick us on. Yeah, I've got a problem with some sections of the media that uh, I think I read that this is a game between the cellar dwellers. Now, if you look closely at the table, some teams have got four games in hand against the Mariners. Now, that's 12 points that's on offer and that changes the entire <laughs> equation. It. Then you've got Adelaide and Sydney FC that have played three more than the Mariners, so that's nine points. So whoever's writing about cellar dwellers needs to give themselves a triple uppercut. Hey, uh, Nick, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed speaking to Marco Urania yesterday via Zoom, and you know the Costa Rican superstar said, if we can get consistency in that final third, then we've got a real opportunity in this back half of the season. So. Yeah, Nikolai Muller was on his way back. Uh, we've had Jason Cummings come in. He's played alongside Maresh, and he actually said he really enjoyed that combination. Uh, and now Benny Ancololo is back and looking super fit and scoring goals. So the Costa Rican star says consistency up front will be the key for us to turn this around. Yeah, look, we create a lot of opportunities, and, and not uh, you know people forget we lost Matty Simon. Uh, Matty Simon's been a big loss for us, top goal scorer last season, not only last season all-time top goal scorer at the club so look hopefully Mike can get himself back fit soon but it's been a, it's been a, you know it's been a frustrating season for him and and, and yeah look you know we a lot of pressure's been on Marcos and, and Resch start of the season to score goals and, and now Jason's come in who's an actual goal scorer as well so you know, I think right now going the second half of the season the Nikolai Muller back fit we're on Tomnik now pushing pushing to get back in the team you know we're probably as strong as we've been all season so that's uh, that, that that's that's a uh, a real good thing for a coach to have, you know, a headache of, of putting a team out. And, um, you know, unless you've got people fitting and fighting each other to get in the team, then you obviously like that competition for places. So that's, uh, that's a real positive. I know you've got a busy day. So one final question. It's the first time you'll see Brisbane Raw. What are your thoughts about the way they've been playing? I mean, they've had a couple of big losses recently, including, was it 3-0 against Wellington? And you've got to go back almost a month to their first win of 2022. So what are your thoughts of the Brisbane Raw? And... As I ask that, you're probably the last of the Mohicans. You're the connection to the great Brisbane Raw sides. Some of the battles you would have had would have been absolutely epic in the early days of the A-League. 
Yeah, look, Brisbane are a good team. You know, they've got a lot of young players as well. That's one thing Brisbane have done the last couple of years is is is, is put young players in the team. Again, you know, obviously budget budget will always dictate that. But look, they're, they're a good team and they like to play football. I think, as you said, then you know, just just thinking about. Um, you know the games you've got in hand. It's, it's not a normal season, and, and for, for people to be writing uh, crazy stuff like that, you know, when there's so many games in hand on teams above it, you can't really look at the table now. You know, you just need to look at the end of the season. So, I think that's uh, that's something that um, you know that that we'll focus in on. And, and today's going to be a decent game. They're a decent side. They've got some attacking threats, and but look, we'll do what we do every week, and that's go out and try and win the game. And and, and I'm hoping today, like you said, that Michael said, we can uh, we can really connect in that front third and. And we can finish uh, finish games off, which we haven't done over the last couple of weeks. Hey, Nick, thanks for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. Good luck to the boys this afternoon. We'll all be cheering for the Yellow and Navy uh, later on this afternoon when you take on Brisbane Raw. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Have a good day. Nick Montgomery joining us, head coach with the Central Coast Mariners. We're off to a break. We'll talk some rugby league in just a moment. The guy we call the benchmark, numerous premiership winning coach Tony Clark, is coming up next. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course. In fact, we're inside the golf course today. We're in the, I guess you call it the Grand Ballroom on uh, Level 2. And uh, we're still overlooking the 18th. And the course looks pretty good. Uh, obviously closed today to golfers after the rain that we've had through the week, but still looks in good shape. Uh, Guru alongside me, Gary Birkinshaw, buttes away this weekend. And now one of our regular guests, multiple premiership winning coach on the Central Coast. Uh, and now with the North Sydney Bears, the benchmark, Tony Clark. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you coping, TC, with the... Devastating news about, firstly, Rodney Marsh. Uh, I'm sure you would have loved him back in the 1970s. And and on top of that, unbelievable, Shane Warner's passed at the age of 52. Yeah, it, it, it's quite incredible, Steve. You know, your condolences to all the families. I mean, I grew up, as you said, with Rod Marsh. You know, caught, I know Gaz said that before. Court Marsh, bold lily. That was how, uh, in our vernacular, everywhere we went. And, uh, and of course, to wake up this morning to, to Warney's news is, uh, is, is unbelievable. But, uh, you know... Uh, such a young man could uh, could, could leave us, and uh, but but what a legacy he's left, you know, he's, he's the best I've seen, and uh, uh, as I said, certainly condolences to uh, to his three kids. Yeah, well said, TC. Let's get cracking on some footy this morning. So, uh, did you say North Sydney are off today, but you may be planning a, a training session? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, we've had to can that too, Steve, with the, with the weather, of course. Uh, yeah, but uh, round uh, five of. The junior uh, representative, uh, Tasha Gale, Harold Matson, SG Ball, has been canned, um, so abandoned, so we don't have to try and make it up. So uh, hopefully uh, we get uh, we have a washout game next week, uh, which was a spare weekend, so we can all catch up with that one and then hopefully get uh, get back to a bit of normality um, you know, once, the, once the weather breaks. TC, let's talk NRL trials. So last weekend, these are the ones that stand out for me. So Parramatta, 36 against the Panthers, nil. We've got to be mindful. Some of the some of the superstars from the Panthers didn't play in that game, but it's still a, a 36 nil result. St George Illawarra get over the Bunnies. I think it's the first time in a decade they've won the Charity Shield, 16 to 10. Good win for the Cowboys over the Broncos. Storm beat the Knights, and then the Sharks against the Bulldogs. Uh, Monday night footy, 30 points to six. TC, which of those games do you want to dissect? 
Oh, I think the power of Penrith. Um, firstly, Steve, you know, like a, a, a master class. I mean, as we know, you know, they're only trolls, but I'm sure that uh, I know Ivan put on a brave face, but I'm sure there'd be a couple of concerns there. I, I just noticed a real steel uh, within the the, the Eels. Um, uh, probably, I, I sense. I have no idea. You know, I'm not not close to them, but I just sense with with them losing a couple of players for for 2023 that. Um, you know, they they they'll be a different outfit. I, I think they're into the competition up to their ears. You know, they uh, um, they're a good footy team, and and I I think that that it shows there there may be. I mean, uh, as we said again, they had some uh, some pretty fair players out, but you know, is there going to be a premiership hangover uh, with the Panthers? You know, because they've they've lost some too. You know, a lot of a lot of experience and uh, and talent. So yeah, no, very interesting. Really happy to see the Dragons. I've got a big opinion of Anthony Griffin, as you know. Um, I think they're doing some wonderful things down there. Uh, they're they're in the eight this year, um, and uh, I, I thought it was a, a you know a, a very very strong performance. Um, leading into your team, we don't like to talk about it, Steve. I do. We? <laughs> there's uh, there's some concerns there because the, uh, the 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 rumors are out that there's a couple of players not happy that. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll hear about that this week. I think that Penrith may have signed someone. So uh, yeah, I'm thinking that uh, there's going to be some pressure on on Trent Barrett because they were way off. In both trials, they were they were way off. Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering what the hell is Tavita Pangai Jr. doing? Like, you know, uh, did he get uh, he got ten in the bin, didn't he, during, during that match? Twice. Yeah, he uh, did for just absolutely, you know, like it was a fair shot, but, uh, you know, then, then the carry on after. But I think it just shows a lack of discipline. And, and you just hope with the dogs that, you know, because, I mean, they've been major movers in the uh, in, in the player market, but, you know, they, uh, they're not, you know, they're a very good team on paper. But as everyone knows, you don't play on paper. So it, uh, it'll be uh, a very interesting first couple of rounds for the dogs. Hey, TC, did you catch any of the NRLW last weekend? I was at McDonald Jones Stadium and uh, just a fantastic day. So winners were St. George Illawarra over the Gold Coast. Brisbane, the powerhouse team, three-time premiers, uh, winners against the Sydney Roosters that included a lot of Central Coast girls. And then the final one was an epic, a field goal deciding two new teams in the competition, Parramatta winners against the Newcastle Knights. Yeah, making history, wasn't it? The first ever field goal, as you said, Maddie Stubbins kicked kick the goal and a, and a cracking game. I watched the whole lot. I just loved it. You know, I, I love the passion and the skill that the the skill level has just improved from like this time last year or, or whether they played last year, but, but from the last competition to this competition, the the, the skill level is, 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 is quite incredible and uh, full credit to the girls. Uh, you know, the, the, the I think with the Broncos, Steve, as you said, just a juggernaut and Ali Brigginshaw, like she just gets better with age, doesn't she? You know, she just, she's the the lieutenant or the general that uh, that gets them around and, and they'll be very hard to beat. But you couldn't write, write uh, the roosters off, of course. You know, coached by Johnny Strange. I'm sure he's working hard this week. But, you know, anyone with Isabel Kelly, you know, uh, the young Sturgis Lazar, and, of course, Jocelyn Kelleher, you know, you, you can't write them off. The young girl I was impressed with, Steve, was, uh, was the Dragons' uh, winger, Tegan Berry. The score the, got a double in, the, in their victory and uh, showed some real footy now, some... And she had some strength. One of the tries she scored, uh, you know, one of the, the NRL wingers would be proud of it. So, yeah, really good to see the girls, uh, you know, getting the accolades they deserve. Yeah, we'll talk more about that in just a few moments because there's some absolute superstar fullbacks in some of those teams. In fact, from the Rio 2016 gold medal winning team. Uh, TC, 
The guru, Gary Birkinshaw, has given you a task. We're going to do it after the news. You're going, and this could live on, by the way, you're going to name your top eight of 2022, your fearless predictions. That's coming up next on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Shelley Beach. Can you believe we're seeing some sunshine after the week that we've had? Uh, and our thoughts go to everyone on the coast, particularly around areas like Chittaway Point, Chittaway Bay, Aloha Avenue, of course. They, they get a lot of water there. So, And around uh, Long Jetty and other areas on the coast. I mean, Gosford, you know, what can they do there near Racecourse Road? So our thoughts to everyone. We hope you're doing well on this Saturday morning. Uh, the guru, Gary Birkinshaw, has got the next question for TC. And it's around the standard of the NRLW competition that's, Got round two coming up down in Wollongong tomorrow. Yeah, g'day, TC. Uh, one thing I know, we're only in round one, but the thing that really impressed me was just they've had three new teams come into the into the competition, yet the standard still remains really high. A lot of times when you go and expand competitions, the actual the standard actually drops, but what it actually shows is there's a lot of talented uh, young female sports people are out there now. With it. They've come through rugby league or transitioning to rugby league from other other sports, but I was really impressed with the standard across the competition as a whole. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, no, uh, for sure, Gary, 100% with you on that. As I said, I, I thought the, the you know just a marked improvement in again, uh, you know where, where it's heading the, the women's game. I think they've done the development side so well because I mean, as we know, the women's tag has played a huge role in country rugby league and and. and to, you know, New South Wales Rugby League in the, in the fact that so many girls were playing that and they've just transitioned into, um, you know, the, the tackle side of things. And I know that, um, uh, you know, that even locally um, there, there, there's going to be an under-15 competition, an under-17 competition, tackle, uh, you know, where the girls have, have come through from the tag. And, and, yeah, they're doing it really well. And I think everyone that I've, I've, I've known that uh, is coaching um, the women is saying that it's such a pleasure to, to do it where... You know, it doesn't matter what age you do on the, the men or the, or the boys, you know, there's always a bit of an ego involved where the, where the girls are just, you know, they're, they're like sponges, you know, taking everything in. And, um, you know, the, the clubs have really recognised that, that women's sports is, is, is going to be, if not now, you know, it's just going to be a huge part of, uh, of our sporting calendar. Yeah, it's good that you touched on that, TC, because this week they announced, obviously, that Wyong women are going to uh, actually go in the open tackle competition, the Newcastle Central Coast Cop, and they've got Mitch Williams as their coach. So there are plenty of well-known, highly credentialed you know, men's players who, who are getting involved in coaching of the women's teams. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and as I said, the, 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 the clubs, you know, the NRL clubs are seeing, uh, you know, what it can offer to their brand, you know, in, in having a strong uh, women's program because, it, I mean, it's bringing supporters. There was a good crowd, you know, very inclement weather on Sunday, but a good crowd up at, up at Newcastle. And uh, and I just know with us, uh, like with the Bears, you know, we're, we're working hard with the Natasha Gale and the Harvey Norman women's, the, uh, which is basically the equivalent of the, the New South Wales Cup for men. Um, you know, it kicks off, I think, April the 6th. Um, but the Tasha Gale, they play with us. You know, we have a, a triple head of uh, most weekends with a with the, uh, the the girls and 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 you can see the growth uh, you know in in there too where uh, um, the girls are just wanting to be part of rugby league you know and I think it's something that we really have to embrace as all sports do guys I think but uh, you know it, 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 it it's just wonderful to see that you know there's opportunities for the girls you know as you know um, with, with your cricket and uh, you know the the, the 
any of the sports. So it, uh, it, it's it's just really, uh, really good to see. Hey, TC, you mentioned about Jocelyn Kelleher. So fantastic young lady, part of the Danica Clark Foundation, actually. Uh, Jocelyn goes from the seventh. Uh, she goes to the sixth this week, so she'll play five-eighth. Another fantastic young lady who I've had a bit to do with through North Entrance Surf Club, Claire Reed comes onto the wing for the Sydney Roosters. And Zahara Tamara goes back to the interchange bench. So they've tinkered a little. Racine McGregor will wear the seven for the Roosters. So they've made a couple of changes ahead of round two of the competition. TC, I just want to ask you about the local comp because I've got quite a few messages this week. There's a new points system and... My intel is this will disadvantage some clubs, and I can hear you. I can, I can hear you ready to tee off on this uh, because some clubs can't even put a team on the paddock. Uh, my source at the entrance, Tigers, says, Steve-O, against rumour and popular belief, as much as we attract players to our club, the projected first-grade side this year will have between 12 and 14 local juniors, uh, and they believe that... This current point system will disadvantage clubs with a small junior base, but you're at the coalface. What can you tell us? Well, yeah, not so, yeah, yeah, not so much at the coalface with Central Coast Rugby League, as you know, Steve. But I do have a presence uh, with the Erin Club, uh, helping their juniors out. We're, we're taking on a, a role there, so um, of course there's a lot of chat around. One of the big things I can't believe, Steve, is that we're uh, you know three weeks away from the start of the game, and there's still no draw out. Like I just don't know where they're where they're heading with that, and and it, it, it's a it's a grave concern because you know my uh, intel is that Arimba have uh, forfeited their position uh, in the in the first grade competition, which is like I mean they're a foundation club, uh, you know it's over 120 years of history. I've had a couple of great years with the Magpies, and and they've gone by the wayside. You're hearing that Berkeley Vale, um, you know, are, are, are battling for numbers as, as are we were, you know, so it, it, it's in dire straits and and. You know, we've got people sitting on their on their hands, as well, you know, the, the, as as uh, Rowan Burns, they're, they're fiddling, you know, and and, and it's uh, it, it's such a shame. I, that's something that, that's a really interesting um, uh, comment you've had from the entrance because I know, you know, I had five five years at Wyong, and I know, and we used to cop the same thing. But when when Shane Wooden and I used to sit down and go through both our teams, like, we, we were chock full of, of, of juniors, and because we were doing the right thing, the kids wanted to stay and play. Um, I'm thinking that, that, that rugby like rugby league on the case has to go to a Saturday competition. Um, uh, the uh, Wyong are doing wonderful stuff north of the north of the uh, the, the coast to, to provide some opportunity in the Newcastle comp, as are the Tigers. I mean, they're looking there, and, and for the life of me, I can't see why New South Wales Rugby League have knocked back Erin's application to, to be part of the Sydney Shield. I think that, you know, they're, they're the three financially viable clubs that can certainly offer opportunity for local kids to play at a good level and then we have to encourage um, the, the the participation rate uh, you know of of the local competition with, and, and take the financial pressure off the clubs where I believe a Saturday competition will, will try and uh, you know generate one some interest and also get some people playing you know that that's some this point system I'm hearing Steve is just farcical there was a, an open grade uh, player from Woiwoi, I won't mention his name, uh, from Woiwoi who, who was bought in the Warnervale area, put a home, moved his family. <coughs> Thought he'd have a game like an over, so that's third grade, third grade, um, over an age, um, <coughs> under the new point system, did 25 points in a, in a third grade comp where your your total points for open age is 25 points. 
there's another one lost over there, he's going to go and play rugby union for Warnerville. So, you know, the, the hierarchy has got a heap to answer for here and uh, they just go repoint themselves and um, and nothing's happening. So yeah. I hope that, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to have a little bit more time within a couple of weeks once the Norse commitment's finished that, um, you know, ideally we can put some people together that are going to, uh, you know, be, the, be there for the benefit of the game. Well, TC, I think they need to listen to the audio of what you just said. Put that in a time capsule, but it, it obviously it's going to fall on deaf ears, right? Uh, which is, you know, we're hearing the game is on its knees in our local area. I think I saw an article on NBN News where somewhere, it might be the mid-north coast, where they've only got three teams that have lined up for their competition. Alongside us is one of the best administrators in not just New South Wales sport, but Australian sport. You need someone at the helm like a Gary Birkinshaw that can revitalise this competition. What are your thoughts, Guru? Yeah, well... It's obviously through the AFL part, even with cricket. One thing I've, I've noticed, a couple of things you've, you've mentioned, really good points, DC. And one is the the sad day sport. There's a, I've noticed on the Central Coast, there's no penchant for anyone to want to play on Sunday sport. Okay, there's so many other different things to do on on a Sunday. The last thing they want to do is go and play competitive sport. They're working again on on Monday, so um, so sad days definitely going. I definitely through cricket. So most of ours is now done through sad day. But you also mentioned about the the point system and. and I, for one, I'm yet to see where a point system really works in, in any sport in, in the country because um, yeah, it, I, I just don't see how it works. And the AFL didn't work. It hasn't stopped the strong clubs from getting stronger. Um, all it does is, is just is, is it makes, pushes people away from the game because people aren't still going to go. It's supposed to be about the point system is supposed to help the, 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 the lower clubs attract players. But it doesn't work that way because if a player wants to go and play, say, for the AFL for Terrigal, if they can't get to play for Terrigal, they'll just stop playing. So they're actually lost to the game. So Terrigal still remains strong in the AFL. And, say, a Gosford is certainly not getting it because they're not, they're not getting the players who don't go to Terrigal. They just stop playing. So you need to find a way of how do we keep those players still in the game and then, but then how, what other ways we can do to help Gosford, for example, in this example, get stronger. Yeah, I know. You're 100% correct. There you go. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I mean, it's a generational thing with the lack of participation. I, 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 I believe in rugby league, I'm not knowing too much about other sports, but in rugby league, there's far too much emphasis on the junior representative program. I mean, and that's, you know, being contradictory with me being involved in it. But we have to, we have to raise the ages on that because what that does is have the impact. You know, if you're taking 15 and 16 and 17-year-olds away, uh, you know they're not they're not coming back because they don't think they've made it and they won't come back to to their local club. So that's something that we really have, that, that the the NRL as a you know they keep talking about doing the grassroots. I mean if we don't do something, honestly we'll be watching Oztag on the on the or, or women's rugby league on the long weekend in October within ten years because the male participation is frighteningly low and it's all you know look we, we're going to become like the US college system where you're only going to have the representative program, and you're not going to have any local sport. And I think that, you know, we, we, we just can't, can't allow that to happen. Oh, T, so you've hit the nail right on the head there. That, that, you, you speak exactly the same way as I speak as well. My thoughts exactly around representative sport. That it becomes another club to some people, and they, they put all their they, – they believe that representative football is the football, and if they don't succeed at that, they stop playing because they don't believe there's any other, there's any other sport apart from representative yeah, representative sport. It, it's a good conversation because let's look at Daniel Lloyd in the AFL. 
who gets picked up from Kalani Val Bombers. So he walks away from that representative program, doesn't he? Like he was down at the Western Bulldogs, didn't suit him. Uh, you know, he was too young. He was away from home. Comes back, you know, is a superstar at Kalani Vale and ends up at GWS. Now, there's some factors in play. You know, I think Mark McVeigh is at GWS at the time. And so he's an example. Brendan O'Hagan's playing over in England at the moment. Now, he's not in the Super League, but... You know, the rep, junior rep program didn't suit him, so he went back and played at Berkeley Vale. So there are other pathways if you're a talented player. Garrick? Yeah. So you look at a player. A player goes and puts everything. And say they go and play five games at, at the elite level. Or a player who's then played 400 games at club football in a social, semi-professional environment. At the end of their career, who's had the most enjoyable and, and most successful um, experience in, in sport? It's be the bloke who's played the 400 local games. He'll have, he'll, he'll have more memories than someone who might have made five games at, at the top level. Yeah, running out through the tunnel of love when he plays his final game, he's chaired off, all those kind of things. TC, uh, any final words from you? We need to go to our next break. Uh, yeah, no, no. Thanks. So that, I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully see you next week. Hey, uh, also, mate, uh, I'm sure you want to say a couple of things about the Danica Clark race day that was a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, uh, a vast amount of money was raised and it's all going to go to Central Coast athletes. Some of them are competing at the Paralympic Winter Games, including Ray Anderson in the next week. Yeah, it's so exciting. So we had a wonderful day. <clears throat> Again, thank you to, uh, uh, to the, the Entertainment Centre or the Gosford Race Club. You know, over 300 people in the room. You're at your very best, of course, to have. Uh, and, and what a privilege. Um, to have uh, Nicola McDermott, you know, the reigning silver medalist uh, from the Tokyo Olympics in the high jump, you know, and, and of course our uh, first ever scholarship holder, Chris Dodd. So very, very special day uh, for the foundation and uh, only a couple of weeks away now that we uh, we announce our class of 22. So uh, a, another uh, a huge milestone for us in the fact that, um, you know, we'll be announcing our 100th scholarship recipient. So, yeah, yeah, something we're, we're very proud of, Steve. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Tony Clark joining us. I think he's in career best form this morning. Uh, we'll go to a break, come back in just a moment. We'll talk some motorsport with Lightning Luke King. Also, Burko Southern Spirit win one of their first trophies as a merged outfit. We'll talk to Simon Blake. Uh, can you believe he used to come on the radio show with us about 20 years ago? So Simon Blake coming up in our second hour as well. And some netball. I love Nerida Stewart. She's a former Swift and she's a very, very talented broadcaster. She'll join us after 10 as well on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, we're back live at Shelley Beach Golf Course, and uh, thanks again to BJ House. We were there last week. Steve, I bought the uh, brand-new screwdriver set, and, uh, yeah, I'm the pride. I'm the toast of the neighbourhood, finally. Yeah, how'd you go with the screwdriver set? Was it good? What do you, what do you build? Yeah, yeah, well, there's a Phillips head and there's a straight head. And uh, if you need anything done, your people talk to my people. Uh, thanks also to Robson Civil Projects. Uh, what a business they are on the Central Coast. Uh, uh, not just the Central Coast, uh, right through the Hunter Valley, Sydney as well, where they've done some huge projects, including bridges over the, over the pipes that come from the Warragamba Dam. Now they're out in country New South Wales as well. So thank you again to BJ House. Thanks also to Robson Civil Projects. Yeah, gee, TC dodged a bullet there too. Oh. We didn't get his top eight. Ah, there should we get it? Actually, let's get Adam at headquarters to get TC back on the line. And I want to hear TC's top eight. I tell you, he's 
he was in career best form this morning talking about this point system. So, I mean, has it come from the governing body and is do they see it as a one-size-fits-all? Now, I just said to you off the air, the best game of water polo that I've seen locally was last year's men's final. I think it finished 12-11. Woi Woi won the match against Gosford. My son played in the game, but it was brilliant. Now, every player probably on both teams represented New South Wales or Australia somewhere in their careers. Probably three players with Woi Woi were from the Hunter Valley, uh, from Newcastle. So under some kind of point system, I reckon they would have been ruled out. So Gosford probably would have won the grand final. But in terms of a moment for the sport, I just walked away. There was no loser, really. Uh, it's a local grand final. Woi Woi has won probably 15 in their, in their history or more. But the game itself was phenomenal, and it's what we want to see. We want to see the best players playing each other. But under some kind of point system, uh, it never would have happened. Yeah, look, I've, I'll put it in. I'm all for equality of competition. So everyone knows me when I was involved with the Black Diamond AFL. It's all about getting equality of competition. We actually introduced a rule to, to prevent you know, Terrigal Newcastle City from recruiting players for a year. So I'm all for equality. I just do not think a point system brings out equality in country sport. You, know, you give the leading sides less points and you give the bottom side get more points. That's how the point system works. But you could give the bottom side 100 points if you want to, but if no one's going to go there because they don't want to go to the bottom side, it doesn't help them at all if they can't attract players. So the, the top sides, a lot of the competition just revolves around the first great competition in the points. So what happens there is that club just gets stronger because the players will still go to Gosford, but then they, to the top side, in this case would be Terrigal, but then they just play reserve grade. So they still go to the club, so then their reserve grade gets stronger. And so they just end up with a strong, so it just has a filtering down effect at all. So you need to find a way to get the players to go to those lower grade clubs. I, don't, I personally do not think that a point system does that. Yeah, with water polo, those three players from Woi Woi, I would have said, okay, you can't play with Woi Woi this year because you're way over the point system. You've got to go to the entrance, to the Mighty Ducks. Fantastic club, so many good people. And, you know, suddenly the entrance have got a resurgence. Exactly. You spoke earlier on, we spoke about the, the NRLW, uh, where Parramatta first year in have got a lot of good players have come from St. George, have gone to the... To, to that club there. Now, St George has still got plenty of young kids coming through. So they're still, obviously, they won their first game. So they're still going well. But it's helped Parramatta. It's even the competition out. And we spoke earlier about how, even though it was after round one, was how competitive the football was, even though the introduction of three new teams. Now, yeah, I can talk about the the local AFL. Obviously, local rugby union, a uh, local rugby league have got the same issue as well. And, you know, around the... the the haves and the have-nots, I suppose, so to speak. And we introduce a point system, it won't solve that. Well, I can tell you, if you look at the Parramatta side, so this is a new team in the competition. They are chock full of state-of-origin players or internationals. So Batil Vetti welsh uh, Tiana Penatani is there, Matty Studden, who kicked the field goal. Uh, they got Samima Taufa, who was unbelievable last week, a colossus and, and player of the match. Hey, Adam, uh, what was that, my friend? Uh, we're about to head up toward the news, so... Uh, we're getting the wind-up. Uh, we might get you to tease our next hour. We've got some netball. We've got some cricket. Is that correct? Yes, plenty more to come, of course. Looking forward to Nerida Stewart's chat. And, of course, much more talk about the uh, devastating news of uh, Rodney Marsh and, of course, Shane Warne. So looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully we'll get on to Luke King as well. Saturday's on the coast.
Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course, and uh, we've played some audio this morning of just the... The devastating news. In fact, Burko, I was almost in tears at home this morning when I heard. So Shane Warne passing at the age of 52. Rob Marsh, 24 hours earlier at the age of 74. How are you, my friend, uh, being a lifelong cricket fan? I'm like you, though. I had the posters on the wall in the 1970s. I said to my wife, Sharon, that as a very young boy, my two loves when it came to sport, I I think cricket was one of the first on the radar because it was around the period of the World Series cricket you know, where they all started wearing colours and the West Indies were absolute rock stars and the Aussies, like, we all loved them and we wanted to emulate the Australian team. And then uh, soccer was the other love and you wanted to play in the FA Cup. You wanted to be Chelsea or Liverpool and uh, I chose Liverpool and still a fan to this day. Yeah, look, we just mentioned earlier, like, Rod Marsh was my hero growing up, got his bat and I still remember I got a, a jigsaw puzzle, the big, the diving catch that, that Rod Marsh took in front of Ian Chappell was the first slip on the other side. I did that jigsaw puzzle and posters on the wall. And gee, we didn't really even have a chance to digest Rod Marsh passing, to be perfectly honest. And then the news last night that, that Shane Warne has actually passed as well. And it's just, you know, as if, it's just, it's hard to even comprehend. Like, as I mentioned earlier on, Shane Warne, I thought he was a type, like, he lived to be 100. You know, he's larger than life. He's a showman. Live life to the fullest. Uh, he's had that many, not only what he did on field, but now off field, just his, his work commentary and his own b- other business interests. So he was a busy man. And and then just to, to hear that this morning, when a text message from Scott that he'd actually passed. I, you look there and say, Gee, is, is it fake news? You hope that that's not true. And, um, you know, sad enough to lose Rod Marsh. And then also then Shane Warner. Another one we haven't mentioned earlier also is that, is that Dean Woods also, the... the um, uh, Australian cyclist, Olympian, the gold medalist at the 84 Olympics in, in Los Angeles, part of the team pursuit. He passed during the week from cancer at age 55 as well. So there's three uh, three icons of of, set of uh, Australian sport who've all passed away in the in the past week, way too young. Yeah, I saw a, on Twitter last night, I saw Shane Watson. One of the best comments was from him. Uh, now he's making comment about Shane Warne, but last night he said something about Rod Marsh and... It's already had 25,000 likes on Twitter. Uh, Rod Marsh, not on this planet anymore. I'm absolutely shattered. I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't for Rod and his amazing skill to know how to get the best out of every young cricketer. He just cared. My love and thoughts go to Roz and the boys. Rest in peace. Yeah, and and that's a very, very good uh, tweet there from Shane Watson. And Everyone sort of knows what he actually did on the field. But a lot of people probably don't realise the influence he's had on not only Australian cricket, but also England cricket, which what he's done since since retirement. He headed up the Australian uh, Academy, uh, which is the very first the first cricket academy, which where all the players who've played now around Shane White, they've all gone through through the academy. He then went over and actually started the England Academy. Kevin Peterson, this, this, the side that actually beat us uh, way back in 2005, they were all come from the Rod Marsh Academy. And, and everyone to a man gets up and says, is that is it... He was one of the hardest men you ever... He could give the most ferocious spray and put you through the most torturous workout because you've done something wrong. But at the end of it, you still love him because of the way he, he gets his message across. He was a selector uh, as well. So he's administrative... Well, so he's, he was just had a, a way of getting his message across and 
when he spoke, everyone listened. Yeah, and uh, a friend of mine, Wayne Holdsworth, who you remember, Cracker, mm. uh, you know, fantastic bowler, and I think he had those incredible figures in one of the Sheffield Shield finals. But he said on Twitter last night that Rod Marsh never had to say good day to him, but always did. And he always felt chuffed that Rob Marsh actually knew his name. Uh, so, yeah, he's a guy who's been a, a star at Sheffield Shield level. And then, yeah, he's, he's amazed that Rob Marsh knows who he is and always makes a point of coming to say g'day. Yeah. I think Peter Neville tweeted last night that the weird keeper for New South Wales it means about Rod Marsh as well and said that he actually, um, he actually tweeted him or actually phoned him at his wedding Send him a message at his wedding saying, "Oh, mate, by the way, mate, you just made some side, mate. You're required on the you're required on the plane that night." And it was just, he wasn't. It was just a joke. But he said it was on my wedding day. He still had the time, and I wasn't in the Australian setup. I wasn't someone who knew him really well, but he, yeah. he knew it was my wedding, and he still had. He sent me a text to to, to play a prank on me at my own wedding. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, uh, we've kept Nerida Stewart waiting long enough. In fact, uh, I think standing ovation for Nerida Stewart, uh, former Swift. Uh, we're both standing at Shelley Beach Golf Course. Uh, Nerida, good morning. Uh, did I say Nerida Smith? My apologies. Nerida Stewart joining us. Uh, you're on the road with the uh, men's netball I team. Tell us road. more. Yeah, it's fantastic. We're actually um, down in Sydney for the weekend. We've got a um, big, big game for the Swifts launch day this afternoon with the men's Open A team playing the Swifts Academy and the Open men's team playing the Swifts in a great game after that. So... We're very excited at the opportunity to be able to have a crack against them again. We had a, had a run last year, and we've got another one this year, so we're really happy. Yeah, uh, I tell you, there's no buttes this morning, but we've got the guru, Gary Birkinshaw, and he has got pages and pages on men's netball, and he's got the next question. Actually, oh. he's, probably li- he's probably lying there, narrative because my, my knowledge of men's <laughs> netball is not that great, but I, I'd love for you to, to explain to me, if you wouldn't mind, just... How big is men's netball in, in New South Wales? I know you've got the Nationals coming up and all roads are leading to that in, in Adelaide in, in April. So how big is it and is it, is it continuing to grow? It's definitely continue, continuing to grow. And I think the fact now that we've got a lot of the women's member organisations are starting to sort of realise that they want to bring the men into their fold and really support that that part of netball and that brand of netball. So it's definitely growing. We've got... Juniors, junior boys for the first time at state championships this year and, and also the opportunity for the senior men to play at state champs, which is a big New South Wales competition. So that's the first time that's ever happened and they're really looking to, forward to sort of getting involved in the, in the school sector this, this year and it's, it's definitely something that I think Netball Australia along with, with Netball New South Wales have realised that, you know, the game's evolving and You've only got to look at the male sports with the with the females now starting to really get involved in that side with your rugby league and your AFL and your union and and such and and I think that they've realised that there's opportunity there for the men to also be involved in this sport, which is a, a great thing and I'm really excited to be um, on board for the ride. Yeah, Nerida, we had this conversation off the air, Gary and myself, that netball really is the first of the sports that has gone the other way. So we've spoken about the NRLW this morning. We've spoken about AFLW and women's cricket. But netball's the first sport where men can embrace it. And why do you feel... I've played the sport. I love it. And, uh, you know, I've sat courtside for the New South Wales Swifts for maybe two decades. So it's a sport that I love. But why do you think at a young age boys and men are starting to embrace this? Look, I think it's like anything. I I look at my family, for example, and the girls are all playing rugby union now. And I think sometimes if you've got young young boys that are around the netball court all the time with their mums every Saturday and and they're sort of being 
pulled from pillar to post and don't have an opportunity to get to those other Saturday sports. And they, they watch it and they see how exciting it is and they want to actually participate and be involved. And now there's this opportunity for them to have a pathway in the sport, not just a social runaround, but there's now an elite pathway that they can see that they have a future in, which is really exciting. And I think, you know, it's, it's definitely an exciting game. It's, it's super fast, super, super fast, faster than the girls. And it's aerial and it's exciting and they have a whole different skill set that they can bring to the game, which is fantastic. I, I think, you know, I look at the sport of rugby union for, for women and for girls and it gives them an opportunity. It doesn't matter what size, shape, height you are. There's an opportunity for you to have a run around and have a play. And I think that space is available for the men in this game as well. And it and just, you know, it brings a whole new, new look to, to the game of netball and what the future holds. Hey, Gary, as a former AFL player, I found so many similarities in the style of play between AFL and netball. So if you've got some spatial awareness, sometimes you do a lot of work off the ball. But in terms of speed and skill and agility and flexibility, it ticks all of those boxes. It's such an exciting game to play. Yeah, look, I watched some of the highlights last night. I not not seen too much of it and I was totally amazed at the speed and agility and the, the way cause my two girls obviously play netball and I've, I've been brought up the netball courts as well all my life and then you watch the men's play netball and it's, it's a completely different game as you said it's funny uh, listening to you, Steve, can talk about AFL and the netball. Sometimes I think the men need to actually slightly bigger court because I think that they <laughs> they're going so fast that they struggle to pull up sometimes. So um, it, it really is. Um, I had a girl come and do some, some analysis on a game the other day for us, and it was the first time she'd ever done anything on a men's game. And she sort of said to me, "I can't believe how fast it is. I'm not used to tracking the game that quickly." So it. it and for me as a coach, I remember when I first started last year, it was I had to stop myself from spectating and realise I had to coach because it's so exciting to watch. And the stuff that they can actually, um, you know, deliver out there on court is exciting. And, and I think the more the people get exposed to this style of netball and watch it, the more that they'll sort of embrace it and the, the future of the sport is sort of set. Yeah. As a coach, Nerida, obviously been heavily involved in, in women's coaching, has there been much of an adjustment required to coach the men's? Yeah, it, it has. I, I was, it was funny, I was only talking to one of the players um, at training the other night, and you've got to remember that a lot of the women that play this sport have been exposed to a particular type of coaching and language, and, and they understand that from a very, very early age. And a lot of these men have only sort of started to play this sport and usually they start at a social level where there's not a coach and they're, they're, um, they don't, they haven't learnt that. So you've sort of got to go back to making sure that you start to educate them on that language and, and expose them to what that is so that you can get the development that, development that you need from them. So it's sort of about simplifying things a little bit more um, but it also opens this whole world of opportunity for you to start to implement stuff in a game you could never do with the women. So for me, it's about really trying to, you know, think outside the box as to how I can coach that. And I find that really exciting because it's sort of awoken me as a coach and I've got this whole fresh new look on how I approach things. So um, it's exciting for me and I'm loving every second of it. We're talking to Nerida Stewart, former New South Wales Swift and now coach of uh, men's netball. Hey, Nerida, uh, basically a legend in the sport. Uh, do you see, I know one of the big events this year will be the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, but do you see men's netball being accepted into that in the future? Absolutely. I really do. I think, 
you know, Nepal Australia did their State of the Game review, I think it was a couple of years ago, and they've actually realised in that that they do need to embrace men's sport if, if they want to make even the 2032 Olympics. There's, you know, there's all that conversation around Nepal it's, itself being involved in the 2032 Olympics. And to, to do that, they need to be a dual-sex sport. So they need to have men and women playing. And they need to also make sure that the men's have a high-performance environment and a high-performance product to offer. So um, I really do think that it's probably at the moment like a five-year plan that they have to start to work around in, in that slow implementation of stuff. You, you've got Constellation Cups coming up. You know, do we send men to those things? Do we use that opportunity to start to expose the public to this game? And then I think in five years' time, the next Commonwealth Games is here. So is that an opportunity for us to then, you know, use that sport as a... What do they used to have? Demonstration sports and stuff like that. And, and you know, use that here. So, I, yeah, I do. I do think it's going to be something that that we see a lot more of, and it'll be involved in those big competitions. Hey, Nerida, we've got more questions, but we need to go to our next ad break. Ad break. Can you stay with us for just a few more minutes? Yes, definitely. Hey, I also need to know, you're on a road trip. Do you, as head coach, <laughs> have you got your own room, or are you kind of sharing with Rebecca Rodwell, the wife of <laughs> former NRL Rookie of the Year, Maddie Rodwell? I am sharing a room with my super manager, Rebecca Rodwell. So we had a, a nice uh, dinner last night and we're off to, after I finish talking to you, off to have a little brekkie together and prepping for the game this afternoon. Yeah, fantastic. I love it. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. Live at Shelley Beach Golf Course alongside me, the guru, Gary Birkenshaw. Uh, the text number 0477 736 Share your thoughts on Rob Marsh or Shane Warne. And we can see around the network... So many people are posting comments today and some of the SEN, some of our stablemates are doing tribute shows. So you'll find plenty online from the SEN network across the weekend. Burke, I just want to say quickly before we go back to Nerida Stewart, one thing I've noticed, like I think in the last 12 months through the pandemic, there's been a lot of angst uh, among Aussies. Like a lot of us have been unhappy about what the government has done in terms of vaccines and rapid antigen tests. Now we've got Ukraine... Like, just, I mean, it's hard to fathom that there's a war happening in Europe at the moment. But with this flooding at home, I think it's shown the true Aussie spirit yet again, uh, particularly in Lismore. And then you saw footage of world, world uh, champions like uh, Mick Fanning and Joel Parkinson on their jet skis. And that's the true Aussie spirit, isn't it? The minute someone's down, there's an Aussie there to help them. Yeah, I think you've summed that up perfectly, Steve, is that the beauty of Aussies is that is everyone's prepared to put all their problems aside to go and help somebody else in a, in, a, in a time of need. And you've just read and seen on uh, on social media, and that's the beauty of social media, you get every, all the unsung heroes now actually get brought out in, in social media. And, and some of the remarkable rescues, you mentioned you know, Mick Fanning and Joel Parkinson, but just everyday people just going out and on floating devices just to get out and rescue people out of hel- out of houses, uh, elderly people who had you know, a metre of air, that's all, all they had to go, rescuing them off, off rooftops and, and things like that. It's just it's, it's amazing to see. When I, when I worked at 2LM in Lismore, uh, we lived at Ganalabar and then Sharon and I moved down to Ballina but there was always a history of flooding in Lismore but what we've seen there is off the charts and you just wonder how they'll pick up the pieces 
Yeah, you're right. Well, record floods, aren't they? You know, I remember one, one person saw an interview, you know, he bought a house and said, you know, it's a one in a hundred year flood or, or, or yeah, it might put you two feet above the bottom. And his house is up to the roof. And, that, and that's, the, that's the level it is. But one thing we know about Aussies and, and people like Liz Moore, it's happened before, is that, is that they will pick the pieces up. As, as, as bad, devastating as it is and all that, is that they will, and their resilience, they will get up, rebuild their lives and away they go again. In six months' time, They'll go back and 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 you know and, and relive what it was, but their lives will, will go on. They're just so resilient and so brave in, in in how they go about life. It's 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 such a credit to them, and and yeah, you know, you're proud to be Australian and part of it. Yeah, as you know, I've got a podcast. It's called The Perfect Ten, and probably the best episode we actually had to stop the tape numerous times was with Dave Fairley. Now he flooded when he was in Townsville, and. The reason we had to stop the tape was not only did they kind of lose almost everything, but one morning he hears some noise out the front and it's the North Queensland Cowboys. The entire team has come to help him clean up. And so there are some times where it was just reliving that was so emotional for him. So we just pass on our thoughts, our best wishes, our love to everyone who might be listening up north. I know my mum's on the Gold Coast. Uh, her street went under, but thankfully she's elevated slightly, but she was cut off for a while. So just a really tough week on so many levels. And then we hear about Warney and Rod Marsh. Yeah, like I said, it's a, a day of national mourning for sports lovers as we go back live now to Nerida Stewart, who's gearing up for a, a big match. Nerida, what do you say to this team before they take on the Swifts? And uh, what are your thoughts? Are you confident they can get the victory later on today? Look, I think for us, this is part of our, our process and our campaign. So for us, it's stick to the processes, stick to what we're trying to implement. We have an opposition now that we haven't played against, so this gives us a great opportunity to test out, test out stuff before we get to nationals, which is a big campaign. But I think enjoy, enjoy the moment. It's a sellout crowd. that they've, they've completely sold out their seating capacity, so they're going to have a great crowd to play against, uh, play with in the, in the stands. So that's another opportunity to embrace that noise and that atmosphere that you, you sort of can't emulate without the real thing. So I think, um, yeah, just enjoy the moment and, and, and work on what we're working on. But I think it'll be a close one. There's some, you know, some really talented um, young girls coming through and the Swifts, I mean, the Swifts are just amazing. Hopefully they've got a full complement because they were a bit short at, at the team girls competition. So hopefully they're sort of all back on board and I'm going to say men for the win. Is that, is that being biased? But Yeah, no, no, I like it. In fact, Gary, Gary and I spoke a moment ago about numerous sports that have opened the floodgates to women and it's revolutionised or the, this whole sport's gone through a metamorphosis because of that. Gary, can you pick up the story? Yeah, look, it's, I was involved in, in starting up a women's competition in the AFL and one thing, what the, the women's competition did locally, they actually reinvigorated some very stale football clubs. And just because they just brought fresh enthusiasm, fresh ideas, and, and, and women just did some, so many things so different that men are just come so complacent about. And I, I believe that that'll, that'll probably happen with, with local netball clubs as well. By bringing men brings in different ideas, fresh enthusiasm into, into some netball clubs, which no doubt narrative you, you, you would have seen across your path. <laughs> just, they just seem to go through the motions. Oh, absolutely. And I, you, you hear me walk around and I'll always say, and, and you know, I probably shouldn't say it too often, I always say we need more men involved in netball because there's too many women. So um, <laughs> I think this is, this is an opportunity. And it's not just players. I mean, 
if you, you're a father that's, that's got a son who's involved in this sport, it gives them an opportunity, to, even at an administrative level, to come in and give a voice because they want to participate in their child's you know, sporting environment and sort of give back to the community. So we could see a real shift in even you know, from an administration coaching perspective with the, with the older men starting to get involved, which would be great. Now, are there many men coaches involved, say, in, in high-level netball? Um, there's a few that sort of, uh, Rob Wright, who was the, he used to be the, yep. the Swiss coach, he's, he's there, and, and Dan Ryan's come back from the UK and he's taken over the fever position um, over there in, in Western Australia. So th- there's, there's a few, there's probably not as many as, as the women, obviously. It's a bit like, you know, you flip the coin, it's a bit like the, the sports of AFL and, and rugby and, and rugby league and, and the, you know, you don't see many women coaches in that capacity. It's starting to change and it's starting to shift. But it's going to be one of those time things, I think, and and sort of, I suppose, opening, you said, the floodgates and allowing people opportunity to be involved is the first step, really, isn't it? Yeah. You mentioned Rob Rob Wright, and I do remember it might have been one of the players said he came to us, because don't forget, he jumped ship, didn't he? Now, I think he... One of the players was quoted after he left saying he had a plan A, B, C, and D. We're still waiting to hear plan <laughs> C and D. <laughs> hey, uh, by I'll the way, <laughs> yeah. By the way, just speaking of uh, coaching, uh, I think at the Team Girls Cup, so the Vixens win against the West Coast, forty-five, forty-three. Uh, yes. But the Swifts and Giants played. Uh, great to see Lauren Moore, who's cross town now with the Giants. But the Swifts didn't have Briny. And then I believe no. they didn't ha- they didn't have a coach on the sideline. Is that no. correct? And they had to run themselves. Yeah. yeah so Bryony had sort of you know the wretched COVID had, had snuck its way into the Swiss um, sort of uh, community, and she had been sort of exposed to someone who had, had had COVID, so she couldn't make the trip. And then I think it was day two. Beck Bully woke up and wasn't feeling great. So then just just on to air on the side of caution, she she decided to sit that one out. So. Helen Howsby and Sam Wallace, who weren't playing. Um, so not only did the Swifts, you know, have two of their top line attacking and sitting on the sideline, they didn't have coaches either. So um, <clears throat> the players took over the reins. And um, yeah. it was a challenging weekend for them, for the, uh, you know, pre- 2021 Premiers. It was a, you know, hit home weekend, I think. Yeah, very interesting to read because it sounded like they didn't adjust to... And, and this is something really interesting, Burko, that... So suddenly the Giants have got their tactics and they're making decisions on the run, whereas the Swifts couldn't adapt to that and so went down. Hey, Nerida, pleasure to talk to you. Good luck today. Uh, We're looking forward to an update, maybe live in person next week. And thanks again for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And it's really great to be able to speak about this stuff and and, and men's netball. And so thanks for the opportunity. And and on what is, I've got to say too, a very, very sad day because Shane Warne was my... Him and Merv Hughes were my childhood sporting memories of cricket. So it was a bit of a shock this morning to wake up and hear that. So um, stay safe and have a great weekend. Well, I wish we had like a Zoom link because I'd like to see you and Rebecca Rodwell doing the Merv Hughes stretches in your five-star hotel suite at Sydney Olympic Park. <laughs> oh, Thank you, yeah, Nerida. five-star. I can see that. Okay, thanks, fellas. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Nerida Stewart, former Swift and now coaching uh, men's netball. Great chat. Uh, and, uh, you know, real trail, trailblazers at the moment and looking forward to seeing how that sport evolves in the future with their Australian championships coming up. We're off to the news. We're back. We'll talk to Simon Blake. Buttes.
He loves his cricket. He wants to share his thoughts on the passing of Rodney Marsh and also Shane Warne, Shane Keith Warne. And uh, Lightning Luke King, we've kept him waiting for about half an hour. So we'll go live to Brisbane for a quick chat with Luke King. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back at Shelley Beach Golf Course. Thanks to Josh Kind, who got us on the air this morning. And uh, Josh was a bit worried about the weather conditions. Uh, actually, Josh, uh, where's your microphone? Come over here, Josh. Uh, South, they lose the charity shield for the first time in about a decade. He doesn't want any airtime. He's shaking his head. Uh, a win for St. George Illawarra in Mudgee. How good did that look on the TV? Packed house in Mudgee last weekend. I, I spent a couple of years in Mudgee. My wife's from Mudgee, and Glenn Willow's name is, is fantastic. The Mariners are going there in, in a couple of weeks, but come up a, a treat. They love this sport out at Mudgee, and, and let the mighty St. George Dragons, they were, they were very good, very very impressed. And, and TC mentioned you know, Anthony Griffin's impact as a coach, and, and they're not... I'm pretty bullish, even though I'm a St. George supporter, of, where, of their, how they'll go this year. I, I think they'll make the eight. They're probably not going to win the comp, but I, I'm fairly bullish. I, I like Ben Hunt. I reckon he's really you know, coming along as a, as a leader now, and you know, we've, we've got some young kids around him. Their forward pack looks looks fairly solid. Um, so, yeah, they, they showed plenty against South. South, obviously, uh, yeah, rested a couple of players as well. But you know, a win's a win, and uh, you know, looking forward to the Warriors this week. One of my friends, uh, Katie Brown, put something on Twitter last night, and it was about Kevin Walters and getting a one-year extension. And Katie works for the SEN Network, uh, hosts a, a primetime show, and she said... What are your thoughts about that one-year extension if Kevin Walters is the guy for the Brisbane Broncos? And I was about to reply, and I thought, we've got to back our coaches more. So if TC says about Anthony Griffin, I feel like he was hard done by. Uh, so he was at a couple of clubs. He made the finals, and I think he still got boned. Now, if you look at your favourite footy club, the Richmond Tigers, they run 13th one year. The next year they win the flag because... They stick solid with Damien Hardwick. Now, what are the, some of the reasons they did that? Well, I, th- I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Is that if you go through, they, clubs go through such a thorough process now to get to, to appoint a coach, and they believe they're the right person at the time. So, what if, you, if you're going to back them in, if you think they're right, then you've got to give them the time, given the fact that they can't come in and change the roster straight away, they, they inherit a roster. So they need to take time to change that, change game styles. So if you think you've got the right person, you've got to actually back them. I wonder how close they were with Damien Hardwick when, well, they run, when they run 13th one year, but then they win the flag the next. If you look at the NFL American football, a lot of long-term head coaches, including arguably the greatest of all time, Bill Belichick. So, you know, pick and stick. Although I did read last week in The Telegraph that the Sydney Roosters, they actually... When they got rid of Chris Anderson, the board paid his severance. Now, I find that so the board made the decision and so the board took the hit financially instead of making the club pay for it. Yeah, that was quite, that was quite an interesting read, that. Nick Politis was there. I think it, paid, it cost about $20,000 each and they, they took the responsibility of appointing him. So they wanted to get rid of him. So they took it out of their own, their own pocket. <clears throat> and just recently, they signed Trent Robinson for what, another six years? I, I think they re-signed him during the week. Yeah, wow. So, wow. so, so there's, a, there's a club there that's, you know, and look, and Trent's had success there. So there's yeah. no doubt about that. But it's a, that's a huge leap of faith to go and give someone six years because people could, you could quite rightly say as the Roosters that their best 
best period under this current crop of players is probably on the decline now. They probably had the best period. So he needs to bring through another crop of young players, which, by the way, they have got some good young players coming through. But you're backing him to effectively do the next rebuild. And so and, you know, coaches do have known to get tired. But in relation to Damien Hardwick, is it what saved Damien Hardwick was the fact that there was a board challenge at the same time. So if the new board had to come in, Damien Hardwick was gone. But the members to... And Richmond have got a history of also sacking coaches. Don't worry, don't get me wrong there. So, um, but the board, the members kept the board in. They believed in in Damien Hardwick, and the rest is history. But like I said, you're getting coaches sacked. You know, six months in, twelve months in, two years in. You know, Anthony Griffith got re-signed a couple of weeks ago by St George. Kevin Walters, one year. I'm not sure what one year does. That's yeah. my only point. There. I'm not sure if <clears> it's a, is Kevin Walters going to be poached by another another club in, in within the next 12 months, highly highly unlikely. So if you believe the next one, what's wrong with saying, giving him three years? To, if you believe he's the right person, give him a little bit longer yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. I would for sure. Uh, you know, Queensland legend. I think he's yeah. a six-time premiership winner. Hey, we need to go to Simon Blake. And we've only got a short period of time here, but we welcome him back. In fact, I think he deserves a standing O uh, for what he's done for Southern Spirit. And the club winning its first piece of silverware as a merged entity. Simon, good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. And uh, I hear you've been sledging me via text with Gary Birkinshaw. Morning, boys. Yes, I have. Hasn't been 20 years. It's only been 10, mate. <laughs> Is that, that all? Old. Uh, seems all. like a lot of, lot of water under yes. the bridge. Hey, mate, congratulations. And my intel is you're the Messiah. You've orchestrated this uh, win last week in the T20. Oh, no, it wasn't me. It was the boys. They, we sat down beginning of last season and, and put a plan together what might happen over the next couple of years with Jamie Doran, um, Trendy, Ross Watson, and everything's just fallen into place over the last 12 months for us. You know, the beginning of the year, we didn't start too well. Three losses on the trot. And the boys took that pretty hard and were told by a number of teams that they would only ever come last, and they really did the job. You, you mentioned, Simon, that, that yeah, and pretty, you, you said things fell into place. It's probably not exactly true. There's a lot of hard work that's gone in, in, into that because you, you've had a pretty well similar similar group of players. They're, they're young players. Some have really grown in to become very good first-grade cricketers, but it's obviously taken... A, a fair effort to get them to that stage where they won a trophy and, and they've made the finals of the of the main competition as well. It has, and I think COVID played a really big part in this beginning of the season because we, we couldn't train as a club, couldn't train as a team. We had to do a lot of individual stuff. So the guys, were, were, we would be able to sit down with Lachlan Cork, for instance, and, and talk him through his batting and his bowling and how he goes about things and then really put that into place one-on-one. So there was a lot of one-on-one for, for probably three months before we were able to do anything as a team. Yeah, and Lachlan Cork, he had an absolute blinder. Is that correct? Give us his numbers. Mate, he did. He, he got two for it when he bowled and 46 not out with the bat. As he said, I think he said to NBN during the week that he hadn't stood up in any of the big games, and, and he hadn't. He'd done well against... Some of the teams that are coming down bottom of the table, but the, the top teams, he hadn't really done too much. And he, we, again, we sat down before the game, and then worked out how to how the right areas to bowl. And then when we were only ch- when we were chasing 115, which is a fair score in a T20 game, 
the best way to go and approach it. And the best way to approach it was just hit ones and twos. And that's what hey, he Simon, Simon uh, we're getting the wind-up from our producer, unfortunately, but what, what does it mean to you as, uh, I think, are you a life member of that club, uh, a merged entity to actually win some silverware for the Peninsula? How does it feel? It's, it's a very proud moment because I was a local junior at your minor before I went off and did other things in Sydney and then came back and played for your minor as well couple of years at Mountains, but to be able to go back for the very first... And no one, no one can take this away from any of those players, that they're the first people ever to win a, win a comp, any silverware, with the Southern Spirit Cricket Club. So it's very proud for myself and all the boys. Yeah, awesome stuff, mate. Great to have you back on the show. And uh, the Glen Rollins was played that day as well, Burko? Yeah, look, that was a, a good game between King Cumber Voker and Terrigal. Unfortunately, the weather came in and actually cut the back from 20, uh, T20 back to 12 over the side. And uh, and King Cumber Voker, our minor premiers, got the got the points. Very strong in that competition. That's three of the last four years they've actually won that. So so well done to, to King Cumber Voker. And before Simon goes, do you want to say anything else about Southern Spirit and, uh, you know, creating history last weekend? Oh, look, it's fantastic. Because Simon's right. They've, they've been ridiculed quite a bit, Southern Spirit. They've, they've had, you know, what... I think it'd be fair to say it probably wasn't the most amicable merger between Woi Woi and Yamana. Two very proud clubs to, to bring them together. They lost their identity and started a new one. But it's great personally to have uh, to see Simon Blake back there as a coach. He's, Yamana, he's, he's a fantastic cricket person. And I thought for a while we were going to lose him to Central Coast cricket. But full credit to you, Simon, for coming back. And, and look, you've got the, the finals coming up. Southern Spirit playing the interest in the, in the minor semi-final final next week and I, and I believe that, that you're in with a big chance of, of doing really well in the finals Yeah thanks mate I, I think we are too uh, we were lucky to beat them early in the season in a one day game um, they, they didn't start too well but now they've really hit their straps and I believe that they are a real premiership threat along with um, King Cumber Yeah good stuff and Simon you're brought to us by Sports Coast Trophies uh, in 25 words or less tell us the Sports Coast Trophy story Okay, we've owned the business now for 18 years. Ben Sunshine, who's the Lizero first grade captain, also works for us. Um, obviously, trophies, embroidery, clothing, sporting clothing, business clothing, promotional products. That's us. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Thanks again, mate. And uh, standing out for Southern Spirit as we go to our next break. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Welcome back. We're broadcasting from the Grand Ballroom at Shelley Beach Golf Course. Now, I can tell you, if you've got the SEN app on your phone, you'll want to tap into some of these interviews today. So I can see that around our network, Sports Entertainment Network, Adam Gilchrist is now joining Simon O'Donnell and the boss of the network, the owner of the network, Craig Hutchison. So uh, they're doing a tribute to Shane Warne at the moment. You can listen or watch on the SEN app. So throughout the day, if you want to listen to some of the thoughts of the greats, and I mean, when you talk about that cricket team like Gilchrist, Warne, McGrath, they're like the untouchables, aren't they? Like rugby league's invincibles. So... Uh, Michael Butner is joining us on the line now. Butes, I know, apart from rugby league, cricket's your other great love. Good morning, mate. Whereabouts are you, and are you feeling numb like virtually everyone else today? 
Boys, uh, yeah, I've I got to say, it's actually been a real shock. I was down boxing uh, at Terrigal this morning, and a.k.a. the narc, Bluey, uh, mentioned that Shane Warner died. And I said, no, mate, no, no, it was Rod Marsh that passed away, not Warney. He said, no, 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 overnight, Shane Warner died. And it was just a shock to the system. It was just absolutely blew me away. I was listening to um, one of the other networks on the way down, and, and they were paying tributes to... Uh, Shane Warne and you know what it's just unbelievable so if you talk about you know they were the Invincibles this is a side that he was a part of that won 16 test matches in a row so they were the Invincibles you know the iconic names he was an iconic player the first player to reach 700 test wickets he was a larrikin um, which I think probably connected so many people to him whether they were cricket fans or not Right, there is, he's almost that mate that, you know, what he's funny, he's brilliant at what he does, and he was brilliant at what he did, Shane Warne. But what he did off the field, there was times where you just shake your head and go, Warney, what are you doing, mate? What are you doing? And it was just, but it was it was comical, but it was funny. Yeah. But you know what, you just go, that was who Warney was, and that what, that's what he was all about, mate. And it was like, it's almost like, you know, oh, I never met the guy, but it feels like, you know, you're brought up, watching this guy and not only watching him, but basically watching every ball that he bowled during that summer, right? And it was summer after summer after, whether it was test matches, whether it was one-day cricket, it didn't matter. Whenever he bowled the ball, you were just waiting for something to happen. And that was probably what he was about. If you could sum him up in probably uh, two or three words, one, I would say is brilliant. Two would be entertaining and three would be Larrikin. And I think that just encapsulates who Shane Warne was and what he was about and probably the way that he lived his life. The way that he lived his life. Well, I guess he's a throwback to a bygone era, isn't he? Uh, I saw a photo. He might have been leaving Lords, and he dipped his hat to the crowd. Now, I mean, that's the toughest battleground there is, isn't there? Ashes tour in the UK, Burko. Yeah, look, he was respectable anywhere in the world. And we spoke a while ago about people you used to pay money at the gate to go and watch. Shane Warne was one of those. Yeah, Butes, yeah. Uh, we need to leave uh, it there, mate. Um, uh, final words, Michael? Uh, look, obviously a great show by you boys. And, uh, you know, it's a sad loss, not only you know for Australian cricket, Shane Warne, but I also want to pay my, pay my respects to Rod Marsh and his family as well because, you know, it's a tough day for Australian cricket, I'd imagine. Just uh, two absolute legends who have passed away within 24 hours and uh, yeah, a really sad day for the cricket. Yeah, thank you Michael we'll see you back in the saddle next week Uh, we'll go to a quick break here and we'll get a couple of final words from Lightning Luke King before we wrap the show up. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land the coast's tradies choice for tools steel, gas, visit bjhowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast Welcome back, uh, live from Shelley Beach and uh, thanks again to the guru Gary Birkinshaw thanks to Adam Staples at headquarters and Josh Kind, our technician, we've got uh, less than three minutes as we go live to Brisbane, lightning Luke King, so Mate, every answer's got to be 25 words or less rapid fire. You've relocated. 
Yeah, mate. Yep, we've Blizz uh, has finally got me up here to Brisbane. Um, it's not been so sunny as you as you guys know. Uh, I heard you talk about the floods before, and uh, if anyone can get their bodies up to to Brisbane and to places like Lismore, I think we just need more bodies on the ground up here helping people. Yeah, well said, mate. Well said. In fact, I read something where they said. Uh, and this is no disrespect to anyone, but in Lismore they said they haven't seen the SES, they haven't seen the army, they haven't seen the police. They need people there in a hurry to help them mop this thing up. Hey, Lightning Luke, you missed round one of the TCR series. Will we see you in round two? Mate, um, we're trying hard to get there at the moment. Um, as I said on the last time we spoke, where our focus, now that we're sort of missed out on the first round of the championship, has shifted to going to Europe. Um, so been talking to the Audi team over in Belgium. Um, so their season doesn't start until May, which kind of suits us a little bit better. Um, but TCR opening round was, was a really good one. Um, standout for me there was Zach Suter, who's one of the privateer Hondas, outperformed. Tony D'Alberto and Fabian Coulthard and uh, is running second in the championship to Josh Bucken now. So I think that was a really good result for the, the privateers and he's flying the flag for all the battlers. Yeah, great stuff. We've got just over a minute remaining. Uh, Luke, you don't sound so good. Are you OK? Uh, yeah, mate, I am. Liz and I are locked down at the moment. We've, uh, we've both got COVID. Uh, so I was in Sydney for some sponsorship meetings last week and came back and brought the uh, the spicy cough with me, um, which isn't ideal. So we're, uh, we're just hanging out at the moment. It kind of sucks because we'd probably like to get out and help some people, but we, we've got nowhere to go. So uh, we're locked in until next week. Yeah, lots of love to you guys. Great to hear your voice uh, live from Brisbane this morning. Uh, uh, thanks, mate, and all the best. No worries. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Hey, uh, my highlight of the week uh, in sport... Molly Picklam, her win in Portugal, and then she spins around. She's got Ash Barty on the back of her surfing jersey. They've actually, a lot of them have got Ash Barty. Apparently, this round of the women's surfing is they have to put on the back of their jerseys a female who has inspired them. Yeah, and uh, Ash Barty, what an Australian. Well done to Molly Picklam. She'll surf against Joanne Defay in Portugal, maybe overnight. We've got to go. Thanks to the guru, Gary Birkinshaw. Thanks to everyone. We'll catch you next week, Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.